0: superstars welcome to the up your creative genius podcast where you will gain insight and tips to stomp on the accelerator and blast off to transform your business and your life I'm your host Patty Doberwolski and if this is your first time tuning in then strap in because this is serious rocket fuel each week, I interview fellow creative geniuses to help you learn how easy it is to up your creative genius in any part of your life. Hey, yeah. everybody. Woo! It's Patty Dobrovolsky with Up Your Creative Genius. Today... I have the chief style geek here that I'm going to interview in the podcast. It is so exciting to be here with Joseph Rosenfeld. He transforms geek to chic, and he's a style savant. I've never met a style savant, but I certainly could use one. He's most called to serve those on a quest for transformation, and he's going to help you, everybody that's listening, transform today, where I'm going to interview him and ask him all the ways, the things we should consider when we're getting ready to go out in the world and be our brand in life. So welcome to the show, Joseph. So nice to have you here.
1: Thank you so much, Patty. It's great to be with you and all of your followers
0: Yeah, thanks. So, all right. So I would love it if you would just tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Like, I would love to hear your story of how you started to do this and then what happened once you did.
1: Well, I'm happy to share. I want to be as upbeat and uplifting about this as you are. But I have to say the story is a downer. But the yeah. part, we have to kind of remember that we're all here. I'm here. I've made it. So there is an uplifting part to this. So I was a really beaten up and bullied kid. And that's very yeah. serious and sobering. And I'm a survivor of that. And I survived sexual attacks in my home by a babysitter when I was a boy. And so what all that did was it kind of, disempowered me, I didn't have a voice, I didn't have a connection to my own spirit and I believed all the negative BS that all the kids threw at me about how ugly I was and how they othered me. They othered me for the way that I looked Jewish. They othered me for having a big schnoz, being left-handed, wearing glasses, having a long face, all the things, being short, and for having even what I would now describe in polite company as homosexual tendencies, like, you know, just my demeanor, my behavior, however which way people thought that I was gay. You know, I, think that they othered me in all these ways and when I finally got clear on honestly like even at the journey is up to now like as of two weeks ago I finally actually got super duper clear on this Patty yes why did this happen they feared my presence it wasn't just about my appearance only it was what laid yeah. behind it it was yes. Also why they were attacking me for things that weren't obviously visible, like my faith belief. Yes. Or even my sexual orientation, my identity. They were really cutting me, you know, down because they could see how strong and powerful I was, even as a little guy, and they could not take me. Is it any wonder that This is really what I do for a living is help people stand up to anybody and to stand up to ourselves and be our best selves ever.
0: Yes. Oh, my God. I love you so much. And I think, you know, I had a similar upbringing in those ways. You know, lots of things happen because clearly I was gay from the time I came out, you know, the womb. I wanted to wear my real clothes and I dressed in combat gear most of the time. And, you know, I was just always, always othered for those kinds of things. And, you know, what's beautiful about what that experience does is It takes you into what you're talking about by truly helping people to stand in their power as them their true selves. And I think for so many people, it's scary. It's scary to see someone who really is standing in their power, who really is their true self, and is not going to change that for anyone. And so beautiful, beautiful on you for doing that. So you had this horrific childhood experience, you know, that you worked with, et cetera. Now, how did you get into doing fashion and style design? Tell me what led you to do that. I'm sure you did that from the beginning, but tell me more about that.
1: So there was an epiphany that I had. I'm a man with many epiphanies throughout life, and I feel like... (laughs) You could probably relate to this, you know, as also a fellow creative, that every time I have another, like, big woohoo epiphany thing going on, like, everything in life becomes anew. It's the same life, but it's, like, life at next level. Yes. So, when I was 15, on top of all the tumult and turmoil that was going on, another horrible thing happened, which is my father dropped dead, a heart attack.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Oh. So, Now that was like really hitting the rock bottom and I just wanted everything to end and contemplated it constantly. And the whole turnaround really happened there when I discovered, this was the mid-1980s, a book that had been out already for a little while. It was very irreverent. No one was supposed to take it seriously, except me. (laughs) It was called The Official Preppy Handbook. (laughs) And I, as a Midwestern North Chicago suburban, you know, guy, teenager, was looking for a way out, but to stay alive. And so I discovered the official preppy handbook, and I had this high school teenage-aged epiphany, which was, if I could have style, no one would be able to tell me that I was ugly anymore, that style would transcend anything about physical appearance and attractiveness. And my hypothesis was I may never be tall, which did turn out to be true. I'm <laughs> pretty, I even, <laughs> all right.
0: You're an inch taller than me. I love that. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, um,
1: and I thought I may never be handsome. I may never be hot. I may never be sexy. Now, I mean, I feel good. So, I mean, I got it going on, but what is true is that I could have style. And yes. if I had that style, people would know and get to know me from the inside out because style is about revealing who you are from deep within. It's not a surface game.
0: Wow. I love that. I love that. It's not a surface game. It comes from deep within style. And so you that handbook helped you to realize that if you could – project that inner style outwardly, right? That inner self outwardly, that it would change everything. And did it? You tested it. So what happened?
1: The hypothesis worked. Event so shortly into the whole thing, and this has to do in a way with the concept around personal branding and marketing, if you will, you make a certain number of re- impressions upon people, and they finally get like, you know, hit over the head like the old V8 commercials. Oh, I could have had a V8, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so people finally stopped like bothering me and telling me that I was ugly. Yeah, this was pretty incredible because. That eliminated a lot of noise in my head, even though the tapes were still playing. Yes. I had a lot of reverb, like a concussion. <laughs> what, what <laughs> oh, was, my God. That was, is
0: so true about limiting beliefs. They are like reverb in your head. They just play over and over again until you move the record.
1: Exactly. Like, right. let's pick up the needle and move it. So what was really great is that it allowed me to have some quiet within myself so I could learn who I was. Now, in 1997, Tom Peters famously then introduced this notion around personal branding. I think I was way ahead of the curve, not understanding what the hell it was, that it was personal branding, but being able to go inside to say, who am I? What am I about? What do I really believe in? What would I live for? All of those things equate to things that have to do with the personal brand. And I have to tell you that the great savior around all of this is my favorite singer-songwriter ever and a song that she wrote in 1974 that was released on her debut solo album in 1981 that by the time I was really listening to it, this particular song became my mantra. It's a Stevie Nicks song called Think About It. And her, one of the lines, and there are many lines to that song, I think everyone should go and give it a listen. Definitely. She sings, your fortune is your life's love. And I thought, I can't end because I don't have my fortune, because I don't know what my life's love is. Yes. I feel that for all of us, our life's love has to do with our mission and our purpose and our values and just our very being like who we are supposed to be without any explanation or justification or yes. action to make ourselves worthy of anything. Like we just belong to exist. And that song lyric, the whole song, but that line alone just gave me, you know, laser focus, yes. purpose and vision. So I thought I've got to go forth and figure out what that is.
0: That's right. That's what you do. And so you did. You went out and you went forth. And what did you find?
1: So I then came to really understand that as much as I was interested in the idea of getting involved in politics and government, public service, those things really wet my appetite in the later part of my high school years, so like yes. junior, senior years of high school, I think what happened was by the time I was enrolled in college and was really enjoying some of the special projects I was doing, I was enjoying the special projects more than I was enjoying classwork. Yes. And, and I also decided I don't want to be known as the gay politician. or No, no. And this was the, now the, like the mid to late 1980s, and AIDS crisis was like huge. Yes. Terrible. You know, very famous people. And it was just in my head at that point where I thought I've already come through so much. I just, you know, I just didn't think I could take it anymore. So I couldn't go back into being barraged for me being me that even though I survived and I'm a tough guy, that's too hard. So I thought I really want to help people and make a difference in their lives. And yeah. I also just decided college was not going to be my thing, even though right. I big into learning and I advocated for most people. I made the other choice, which was to stop. And I went to Neiman Marcus in Chicago and I said, look, I see that you're hiring and I need a job. Give me a job. And I was the youngest person that they ever put out on the selling floor at that time. That's fantastic. Yeah, it was cool. The store on Michigan Avenue in Chicago had been open seven years. I was 19 when they put me out on the floor.
0: Wow, that's so crazy good.
1: It was amazing and kind of, you know... There's more to that but in essence the rest is history. I had a 12-year career in high-end retail before I decided yes. to go out on my own and work as an image consultant and personal stylist and for the last 21 years I've been successfully self-employed.
0: Well, yeah, you're crazy busy too. Like trying to get you was almost impossible to get an interview with you because you were in Austria, you were in, you know, Paris, you were in Denver, you were in you know, you're just silicon Valley, you're all over the place. You're working with, you know, execs and pro sports people and people just like me, right? Business owners who want to change a brand and bring it forward in a way that aligns you. That's what you do now, right? So say a little bit about what you love about what you're doing right now. And if you can speak, you know, without talking about client names, but speak a little bit about the kinds of projects you're working on.
1: Sure. So, for example, I have worked with different clients to help them escalate from being at one level of authority in a company to becoming CEO of a company. Now, this doesn't happen overnight because competence has to be proved. Someone's yes. got to show up with a strong CV to begin with. They've got to have it going on. Right. And Then there's also the presence piece. And how is someone pivoting to make the right appeal to the right audience? And so these are all things that I strategize with leaders to add to the competence. It's, you know, there was this, I think they may have taken the drug off the market, but there used to be this TV commercial where they would show like an ice cream sundae or something. And then they would show like the human being kind of Dressed like the ice cream sundae. <laughs> um, oh, wow, <laughs> it's, it's like very much about being like on brand in that way. So when somebody, especially my clients who are in high tech and leadership, they have to look like themselves and be authentic and genuine that way. But they also have to appeal to what the brand ethos is of the company. And sometimes even to the degree that they might match a little bit. um,
0: Yeah. The branding colors and everything like that, right?
1: The product or the service in a way like a super quick example of that would be like someone like Steve Jobs, may he rest in peace. You know, when he and Johnny Ivey designed the original iPhone concept with their team, The iPhone looks so sleek and minimal. Probably looks like a better version of Steve Jobs, quite frankly. But Jobs (laughs) himself was was a very minimalist guy. Like, not a lot of bells and whistles going on with him, and all the guts and glory was all inside. But he looked kind of streamlined on the outside, sort of like you know, your iPhone could look a little like an Issey Miyake. He's,
0: He's holding up his iPhone right now and showing it to us. So That's those right. of you that are listening, he's just showing us how sleek and beautiful it is, right? When
1: you look at your black screen, it looks yes. like a, a Miyake black mock turtleneck sweatshirt. It really that,
0: does. It does. Know,
1: that Steve Jobs wore every day. That was his uniform. So that, to me, is an example of how to really show up and look on brand to deliver the right message. So I love getting people to the salient points of that so that they... Do what they are supposed to do as top leaders to inspire to serve, not a self serving thing. This is really about how leaders show up to lead yes um, leaders and there we so go that to me is a really exciting thing to do, and I would say that that's part of it. There are other people who I work with, like my oldest client right now she's eighty one she is fabulous she had an issue where she almost couldn't walk anymore. And years before she and I met, she had foot surgery here in New York. She lives in California, by the way. Her foot surgeon told her, you can walk as long as you wear certain shoes, but no more dancing, no more high heels. Oh, yeah. You you know, those days are over. Well, She felt so disconnected from the life that she used to have that although she was alive, she didn't feel alive. She felt she was just existing. So we got to meet and I decided that what I would do is work with her footwear based on the parameters that we had to work with and fetishize them as if she was Sarah Jessica Parker in Sex in the City. (laughs) I love that. You know, there are not going to be Manolo Blahniks, there are not <laughs> going to be Christian Louboutins, there will be <laughs> no whistles, whatever. But what we could do is take the shoes and make them look yummy and delicious with the rest of an outfit. So I started with her footwear and leveled up. One day, her daughter came in to the dressing room here in New York City, and I was Showing her a complete wardrobe, starting with the shoes and then everything else from the ankles up. And she and her daughter had like big boohoos in the dressing room. And I, I on the door and I said, is everything okay in there? And they opened the door and we had a group hug and the daughter said, I have my mom back. What did you do? And
0: so sweet.
1: I mean, this is like the thing that I live for these kinds of things where the things that I'm doing are not merely transactional, like make me look good and like I don't want to learn how you made me look good, just make me look good. That's a little more transactional and I do that for people who need that. But yes. in this other type of an instance, it's totally about having... A, the deepest kind of relationship, really connecting soul to soul, really seeing a person and seeing into that person and then giving that back.
0: Oh, I love that. That was one of the things that I noted, you know, I I dug around on you. I stalked you a little bit, you know, on the internet to see what things were said and what you did. And one of the things that you wrote is, I study you like nobody's business. Like nobody's business. And I think that really says so much about the heart of what you're doing. You're really trying to see what is somebody about and how could I reflect that in a way that brings more of them forward, no matter what it is that they're doing. And so if you're listening today, what we're getting here is about you, Knowing inside who you are. And then allowing that to emerge in how you look and feel, whether it's you know wearing something that is a t-shirt and you know some high tops that match who you look and feel like, but also how you want to be seen in the world. I work with this a lot, you know. I love glasses, and so this is my thing. This is the way that I express myself. Is I'm like, this is part of my brand. You know, I want to be my brand in every moment. So people realize, yes, you can be creative and you can look the part of what you do in the world. What would you say to people who are, you know, struggling to figure out how, you know, with their look, what would you say to them? Where's a good place for them to start? I saw that you were doing some workshops and I was like, oh, that's interesting. He's doing some workshops. But I also saw that you really are starting at the core. So tell people what can they do just by going into their closet and their wardrobe and see how can they consider what they're doing when they're putting on their clothes?
1: The first thing to absolutely pay attention to is color. You know, when you go into your closet or when you go into a store looking for something new, you're always looking for you. And color is one of these things that we are always looking for. If you don't see the color that you're looking for in a store, you tend to go right by the rack. Even if you're in the right department, you're shopping for basically the right item that you might have in mind. If the color isn't there, you're out. So thinking of color is a wonderful and grounding place to begin. One of the things that I recommend is that you look at your own physical coloring to look at what I call your DNA coloring. Even if your DNA coloring is, I say this with love, manufactured DNA. Like if you're coloring your hair. I would
0: have manufacturing DNA. He's speaking to me right there, so I'll take it.
1: That's true. (laughs) But, you know, what's terrific is that if you've made that choice, you've made that choice for a reason, and that says something about your energy. So, Color is energy and there is something that is vibrational about it. So one of my favorite tips and tricks is if you can identify the color or colors that are in your eyes, like in the iris, find those colors in clothing and then repeat it on your body. That nice. creates a kind of elegance, even if you're wearing like something like a simple knit top, it helps people find and connect with the truth of who you are as a human being. And you might wonder, like, hey, what does, you know, moss green have to do with anything? But we have, and I'm wearing moss green, that's why I say that right now.
0: Yes, right. What (laughs) A knit top, I might add. It's really nice. It looks beautiful, and it's great. And I bet you, behind those glasses, your eyes match that color.
1: Am I right? They match entirely. Yes. I'm leaning now he's
0: leaning in and you can see that his eyes are that same moss green color. Those are beautiful eyes, by the way.
1: So really great. Thank you. So what is powerful about this is we may not have the language to understand with fluency what it is that we are looking at, but we have been socialized in Western society to pick up the nuances and the vibe. of all kinds of color. In fact, we know from looking at color from when we are newborns, the first color that we actually ever see is yellow. And then we move on to red, and then we move on to blue, and then other colors come about as our eyes develop more. Wow, cool. Um, And even for people who may be listening in who can't see you know that you can feel color because color does have this vibration. You can be around a person or you could be in a room where you can almost sense the color. And even if you don't know what the color is, if you could describe the feeling of the room that you're in or the space that you're in or of the energy of the person that you're in conversation with, you could really use descriptive words that somebody would come back and say, oh my gosh, you're entirely describing the vibe of the color purple. How did you know that I'm wearing a purple blouse right now? Like that kind of thing can happen. It does happen. People feel the vibration of color. We just don't always have the language of fluency. So the reason why I say work with color is you know in your gut when there's a color that you love or a color that repels you. Why why work with the color that repels you, for example? So if you could think about that, there's a lot that you can pick up on. I have a whole system that I do with my clients where I study their colors in a very in-depth kind of way. But to be able to do it on your own, you can still start out by thinking through, what are the colors that I really love? And if you aren't so sure, go look in your closet and look at the rhythm of color yes. that you own and see, hm, why do I own so much black or why do I own so much navy blue? Now you can think critically about that also, by the way, and say, hm, I have, you know, hazel eyes. Why am I not buying things that are in the olive tones or the nice. sage tones? Like, why am I playing it so safe over here with black? So you can have a conversation with yourself and ask yourself legitimately good questions that challenge your conventional thinking about your habits.
0: I love that. I love that because if I look in my closet, you know, I have a lot of blue. I wear a lot of blue and chartreuse and these really bright colors, but I rarely wear brown and my eyes are brown. And so why do I rarely wear brown? Because I have an opinion about brown, right? But if I had brown, more brown in my, I would be in alignment with that. And then I can accent something with the color that I want to pull out, right? And so I think this is part of it, that you want to really pay attention to what you're doing now. And if you want to transform, and what you're talking about is up-leveling yourself, is that come into alignment with who you are internally and also externally what your face looks like and your skin looks like. Like I know, you know, if I put on something that's really orange, I know it just doesn't really work for me for some reason. Right. right. I don't feel good in it.
1: <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. You know, if you're not feeling good in something or like you have a huge high energy, orange, yes. the hottest color in the color wheel. And when you Put orange on you you might feel small compared to the power of the orange which is weird because you're very high energy but sometimes that's the thing about color is it can be like womp like wow you know can be very overwhelming the thing about brown for someone like you and i'm gonna just i'll use you as an example because everybody knows who you are and what you look like for you to wear brown it would be easy for you to do in the way that you could wear black as a high contrast because your hair is so light and and bright and platinum, and that compared to the darkness of your eyebrows, which are more like your natural hair color, and how light and clear your skin tone is, that creates a lot of contrast. So if you were to wear brown, not a muddy brown, but like a really dark kind of like a strict brown that you could say, this is the brown that I could wear that would be like black. And maybe it has a little bit of a red undertone to it, like probably this in your eye. Then you're wearing something that is totally in alignment with you. Even though it may be stark, it's in high contrast. It's bold. It's dramatic. And that is who you are. So there are ways of being able to think about it that way. And that's just an example that applies to you, but it's a way of demonstrating to other people, you know, how you actually look at, at a color. That you might even say, I don't know, that's a kind of a sleeper idea for me. How do I incorporate? We're talking about that outer alignment, but as I'm describing your own color contrast, I also am identifying with like that boldness that exists from within. So if you, right. you have it within and then if you look that way outside, why not just go for it?
0: Well, I love this because I think that I don't know about you, but I think that in our world, we become afraid of things that we have never tried sometimes. And I think it shows up in your style. That's where it shows up. So when I went to France and I visited my friend Dawn, she was like, Come on, we're going to go out to the Buddha bar. We got to get dressed up, but you need to wear a scarf. And I'm like, I'm so gay. That scarf is going to look terrible on me. She goes, No, we're going to put that scarf on because it's going to change everything. And let me just say, I was transformed in that experience. So now I often will wear a scarf, I often augment something with something that I never thought of before. And I think this is what you're talking about. You can ground yourself in a color that is aligned with you and then you can be and sort of blast off in my, you know, terminology, blast off To be all of you are with the rest of you. And in a way, when I think about that, like that is what's beautiful about the expression of color is that color allows you to ground yourself in you. And then from the rest of that, you can become even more of who you truly are. I love that. I love this. That was just fantastic. little nugget and piece of it. Now, Now, in your world, I want to know, so, like, what's the day in the life of you, Joseph, look like? Like, what do you do? What's your routine? So people could get to know you on that level. Like, what do you do when you get up? What do you do? How do you stay centered when you're flying all around like that? Tell us a little bit about what the day in the life of you looks like.
1: Well my home life is a little bit different than when I'm traveling. At home I'm up first thing making coffee, usually going into clubhouse now to you know participate in a couple of rooms in the morning, getting you know things together in my thoughts, getting some inspiration and sharing some maybe, checking my email and then I have calls or I go to the gym and then I'm on to client appointments and meetings and so on either in person or, or on zoom. And when I'm building a wardrobe, I have to carve out hours for that. And then like I'll be doing something like that tomorrow where I've got a dental appointment and a hair appointment. And then the rest of the afternoon, I'm dedicated to doing some, as I say, shmying around where I've got to go look for things for a client and have it ready to go so that when I go back to California, the first week of December, I'm all ready. And so those are the ways that I sort of structure my day. So very flexible, depending on what's happening. Now, when I'm out West, I can't sleep. I have way too much energy. So I'm up at like 530. I, you know, put on yoga gear and I power out for a big walk. I will walk anywhere between 10 and 20,000 steps in the morning, depending on when I have to actually get my day started. And I just crush it all day with meetings You know, Friday last week, this is for anyone who's in the Bay Area. I started out in Mountain View, went to San Jose, did a color profile for three hours, got back in the car, drove to Walnut Creek, did a operation try on with a client. That was all great. Got in the car, drove back down to San Jose, met with another client. We tried on three suits for a first fitting. That was all great went up to San Francisco after that, did some stuff up there, had dinner as well, made the most of my time, came back down to Mountain View after that, probably put like in excess of 200 miles on the car.
0: I was going to say, and that's a lot of sitting in traffic right now down there in the Bay Area, although it's a little improved there, but still, like, that's crazy. Well, that is, so you really have to take care of yourself and your body and all the things, so I love that you're going out there, and you're getting all those steps in before you get in that car, and then you're seeing people, and this, to me, tells me a little bit about yourself, that you're looking for inspiration first thing in the morning, and then you're going out to do whatever it is that you need to do and pulling that inspiration through. And I think, you know, you're about helping people transform themselves, their look, their brand look and their style. And this is so essential. We talk about transformation here in these podcasts all the time. And people mostly talk about transforming their career or they talk about, transforming their brand look and feel in terms of their business, but talk, seaming that together with transforming your style look so that you really do step into the chicest you that you possibly can. I love that. This is fantastic. So who right now, in terms of in this space that you're in, who's inspiring you or who are you watching to see what they're doing? Do you do that? Do you do that a lot, watch different designers to see what they're up to?
1: Well, I would say my favorite fashion designer for some time now is Dries Van Noten. I think that he just has such an elegance and such a flair and such a verve. If I get to show Dries to a client because his aesthetic matches their style profile and the colors are also a good co-match, like he made it and here I'm finding it for, you know, I'm able to show it to somebody, that's really very fantastic. I love when that gets to happen. I'm a Drees wearer myself. I, I think it's um when I find something exciting for me, it's awesome. I'm also a really big Tom Ford fan. He's just turned 60, so I really admire his journey. I admire the transparency around the challenges of his journey. He's been very vocally public about some of it as recently yes. this week, just talking about the struggles that he faced when he turned 40. Maybe he never had the challenges that folks like you or I faced when we were young kids, but his challenge decade came around in his 40s with drugs mm. and alcohol and, you know, the high life of being super high flying and successful and yet being depressed. And so, He really shows a kind of a humanity, and yet I love how, for example, his women's clothing is just full of unbridled sex appeal, and yet for his menswear, I love that he has this look, not maybe not always in his suitings, but in his sportswear looks that I've been fancying for me personally. Yeah, yeah. They look very affluent, like you might live in New York City, but... (laughs) You have a home in Aspen or <laughs> something, like that, which I, I, don't, I love. I love that. it. Um,
0: you have a home in New York City, which now is that affluence. You know, I mean, that's what's true, right? But it could be anywhere. I love that. I love this piece of it. And when you think and you know, you listen and reflect and look at what people are doing in style, etc. What's your big dream for yourself? What is the vision that you hold for yourself that you'll transform into or step into as you continue on this journey? What's that vision look like?
1: I love doing the stuff that I'm doing every day right now. It's so exciting to be doing this kind of work. One of the things that I'm branching into that I'm very good at because of the overall modus operandi that I work under is working with lawyers and expert witnesses to prepare them for trial, like corporate things. Yes. Lots of corporate intrigue and helping to really connect and to tell a better story with the jury is something that I am doing quite a bit of this work right now. And I'm really enjoying that. But besides that, being able to make a difference for people and being able to do it at the scale that I'm doing where there is intimacy is very important to me. It's Like the 81
0: year old woman, right? Who had that transformation within herself.
1: That's right. May sound Mm -hmm. a little selfish of me, but I want to be able to give a hundred percent of me to another person in exchange for them being so open and courageous to share themselves with me so that I can help them. It really fulfills my mission and that in conjunction with getting out and doing more talks at high schools. Yes. To inspire kids to not bully one another, to live another day, to envision what life could be. Wow. Even if you have to pick out a hobby that you do all by yourself because there is no one. That was me. That was me. If I could reach one kid, one teenager that needs that message and to see me embody. The success of that, that's worth everything to me. Wow. Those are the kinds of things that really want to do more of and I can't I- do enough.
0: I love that. And, you know, I remember reading that in their execs and, you know, this sports people and et cetera. And then high school students was at the bottom and I was like, yes, because that's where it all begins. That's where we feel so disempowered and disconnected from ourselves because we're not able to live our authentic life there because everybody's trying to sort of step on each other to get somewhere and get seen. And that really, that behavior has to shift. And it's up to us, really, I think, as people who have lived through that, to really speak to that and let people know, you know, it's okay to be yourself. You have to bring yourself. The world needs you. There's only one you, you know, step out and do that. Well, I love having this time talking to you. It's been incredible. And I'm going right away to go and look at Brown because I never did before. And now I really, I'm desperate to go out there and see like what would Brown look like? Where could I find a kind of, brown with red undertones in it that might help me. And so I hope the next time that I see you, which I hope you'll come back and let me interview you again, because after you've gone out and traveled the world, will you let me do that?
1: Oh, I would love to come back. This is a great conversation. And I feel like when you're talking about upping your creative genius, I think there's a lot of overlap between what you do and what I do just in different ways, and I feel a lot of synergy where we just scratch the surface. And so it would be lovely to do that with you, Patty.
0: Me too. I would love that. And I have so enjoyed getting a little peek into your world. I've never been in this world before with anybody other than the person who has dressed me before in some Nordstrom's, you know, dressing room. But I love this because I just know that there's so much information in what you share with people that's valuable to them that will help them feel more aligned with themselves and love themselves. Really, in the end, you got to love who you are. And if you love who you are, you want to express who you are. And those two things help right? We learned that in the preppy handbook. So yeah. I can't wait to hear more tips like that from you, Joseph. Thank you so much for taking time here with us. Everybody, don't you think he was fantastic? Round of applause. Ooh, I love this. Okay, so just for those of you that are listening, I just want you to look down below in the show notes, follow him. He does a clubhouse room. When is your room on clubhouse? Do you have a regular room people can come and talk to you?
1: There is a regular room. I do it most Wednesdays unless I'm flying or unless I'm abroad. And I typically do it on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And the topic is around the introverted executive. That's the name of my clubhouse club. And we often talk about things related to executive presence and, you know, covering things around color and style and fashion and image and personal branding. And my favorite word, gravitas, and all of these things come together to paint a full picture of of who we really are as total people.
0: Yes, I love that. So please join him on Clubhouse, follow him on Instagram, and you can find more information about him in the show notes and in the transcription on YouTube, et cetera, and in my blog posts. And if you like this interview, share it with people because this guy really is amazing, and he has so many great golden tips in here for people who are feeling and struggling with their style and coming in contact with it and how to grab it. This is really helpful. And for those of you that are listening, you know, go out in the world and bring your true self. There's only one you and we're waiting for you. So have a great, fantastic rest of your day, everybody. Thank you again, Joseph. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you, Patty. It's great All right. You.
0: Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks so much for listening today. Be sure to DM me on Instagram your feedback or takeaways from today's episode on Up Your Creative Genius. Then join me next week for more Rocket Fuel. Remember, you are the superstar of your universe, and the world needs what you have to bring. So get busy, get out, and up your creative genius. And no matter where you are in the universe, here's some big love from yours truly, Patty Dobrovolsky and the Up Your Creative Genius Podcast. That's a wrap.